Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Shows, and today we have part three of the Yellow Dwarf. And so far, well, we have a princess and a queen who have both independently promised the princess's hand to a yellow dwarf who is quite cruel. And today we're not going to spend any time with the yellow dwarf himself. What we're going to do is we're going to discover what's going to make this story so very, very sad in the end. Love. This is The Yellow Dwarf Part 3. Indeed, as she spoke, she fell down insensible, and when she recovered, she found herself in her own little bed at home. How she got there, she could not tell, but she was dressed in the most beautiful lace and ribbons, and on her finger was a little ring made of a single red hair which fitted so tightly that try as she might, she could not get it off. When the princess saw all these things and remembered what had happened, she too fell into the deepest sadness which surprised and alarmed the whole court, and the queen more than anyone else. A hundred times she asked Bellissima if anything was the matter with her, but she always said that there was nothing wrong. At last, the chief men of the kingdom, anxious to see their princess married, sent to the queen to beg her to choose a husband for her as soon as possible. She replied that nothing would please her better, but that her daughter seemed so unwilling to marry that she recommended them to go and talk to the princess about it themselves, so this they at once did. Now, Bellissima was much less proud since her adventure with the Yellow Dwarf, and she could not think of a better way of getting rid of the little monster than to marry some powerful king. Therefore, she replied to their request much more favorably than they had hoped, saying that, Though she was very happy, as she was, still to please them, she would consent to marry the king of the gold mines. Now, he was a very handsome and powerful prince, who had been in love with the princess for years, but had not thought that she would ever care about him at all. You can easily imagine how delighted he was when he heard the news, and how angry it made all the other kings to lose forever the hope of marrying the princess, but, after all, Bellissima could not have married twenty kings. Indeed, she had found it quite difficult enough to choose one, for her vanity made her believe that there was nobody in the world who was worthy of her. Preparations were begun at once for the grandest wedding that had ever been held at the palace. The king of the gold mines sent such immense sums of money that the whole sea was covered with the ships that brought it. Messengers were sent to all the gayest and most refined courts, particularly to the court of France, to seek out everything rare and precious to adorn the princess although her beauty was so perfect that nothing she wore could make her look prettier. At least, that is what the king of the gold mines thought, and he was never happy unless he was with her. As for the princess, the more she saw of the king, the more she liked him. He was so generous, so handsome and clever, that at last she was almost as much in love with him as he was with her. How happy they were as they wandered about in the beautiful gardens together, sometimes listening to sweet music. And the king, he used to write songs for Bellissima. This is one that she liked very much. In the forest all is gay when my princess walks that way. All the blossoms then are found downward fluttering to the ground, hoping she may tread on them, and bright flowers on slender stem gaze up at her as she passes, brushing lightly through the grasses. Oh, 
my princess birds above echo back our songs of love as through this enchanted land blithe we wander hand in hand they really were as happy as the day was long all the king's unsuccessful rivals had gone home in despair they said good-bye to the princess so sadly that she could not help being sorry for them ah madam the king of the gold mine said to her how is this why do you waste your pity on these princes who love you so much that all their trouble would well be repaid by a single smile from you i should be sorry answered bellissima if you had not noticed how much i pitied these princes who were leaving me for ever but for you sire it is very different you have every reason to be pleased with me but they are going sorrowfully away so you must not grudge them my compassion the king of the gold mines was quite overcome by the princess's good-natured way of taking his interference and throwing himself at her feet he kissed her hand a thousand times and begged her to forgive him at last the happy day came everything was ready for bellissima's wedding the trumpets sounded all the streets of the town were hung with flags and strewn with flowers and the people ran in crowds to the great square before the palace the queen was so overjoyed that she had hardly been able to sleep at all and she got up before it was light to give the necessary orders and to choose the jewels that the princess was to wear these were nothing less than diamonds even to her shoes which were covered with them and her dress of silver brocade was embroidered with a dozen of the sun's rays you may imagine how much these had cost but then nothing could have been more brilliant except the beauty of the princess upon her head she wore a splendid crown her lovely hair waved nearly to her feet and her stately figure could easily be distinguished among all the ladies who attended her the king of the gold mines was not less noble and splendid it was easy to see by his face how happy he was and everyone who went near him returned loaded with presents for all round the great banqueting hall had been arranged a thousand barrels full of gold and numberless bags made of velvet embroidered with pearls and filled with money each one containing at least a hundred thousand gold pieces which were given away to everyone who liked to hold out his hand which numbers of people hastened to do you may be sure indeed some found this by far the most amusing part of the wedding festivities and that is part three of the yellow dwarf and we're going to leave it there this week and pick up on monday with the conclusion of the wedding which is going to see quite the turn this is dan Scholes with the folktale project don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts stitcher google play overcast anywhere you like to get your podcasts you can follow us on twitter or instagram at folktale project and you can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen. And you can always head over to folktaleproject.com. We'll find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>